Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, we are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, as he loved so long ago. Talking children on his knee and saying, let them please and come to me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me still today, walking with me on my a friend to give light and love to all who live. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, the Bible tells me so. Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here, and I want to start by saying Merry Christmas! Indeed, friends, it is still Christmas tide. We're still in those 12 days of Christmas. The, the tree is still up. The, the Christ candle is still lit. We are living in the light of, of Jesus' birth into the world. It is a good time for us. It's Christmas tide. It, it keeps going. Though this is the last Sunday of Christmas tide, next week we're going to be engaged in the season after Epiphany, in which we mark the time after the Magi visit Jesus uh, after his birth. Uh, it's a great time in the life of the church to be thinking about who God is and who we are in relation to God. There are a lot of things going on in the life of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You can read about them on our church website or our Facebook page. There's an online bulletin that you can use for our service today. It will have our, our prayers, scripture, our hymn, all that really, really good information. We continue to, to provide uh, Facebook Live videos and email devotionals. And again, you can find all of that stuff uh, through our church website. Today we are starting a new sermon series called The Jesus Prayer Book, in which starting today and, and for the foreseeable future, we're going to be spending time every Sunday looking at the Psalms that are referenced in the Gospels. Uh, you'll hear me talk about this in the sermon today, but uh, the Psalms show up a lot in the four Gospel stories, and the way that the Psalms are used, they're almost always used in reference to who Jesus is by himself, or other people use the Psalms to address who Jesus is. Now, the reason we're going to be doing this as a church is because the, the prayer book that is the Psalms for Jesus is kind of like for us the way that we might treat a playlist of, of music. Music is this radically powerful thing that can draw us out from where we are to something both in the past, but also to help us think about the future. I've told a story on a number of times that uh, I, I've been to <laughs> countless nursing homes and, and been with people who are no longer communicative. Uh, they haven't talked in, in quite a while, but if you, if you pull out a hymnal and you start singing some of the, the older hymns, it has this unbelievable almost power to, to draw people out of what they are currently experiencing to bring them back to the past and give them, sometimes for only a brief moment, a taste of a different future. I have sung hymns with people before who haven't talked in a while, and they've started singing themselves, and for the time after, they're kind of reclaimed for a moment. Now, music is kind of like our own prayer book. It, it helps 
to point us at things that we wouldn't think of on our own. It's why we as Methodists, we sing whenever we gather for worship because we sing our faith. It teaches us about who we are and about whose we are. One of the things that we've been doing here at this church since I arrived, uh, is I love to sing the song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. It's, it's from our hymnal. It's only one verse. And I like that because it's a great sort of congregational anthem, uh, a calling for ourselves. And because we've done it so often that my, my now four-year-old, when he was two years old, I remember one day uh, walking in a park with him, and all of a sudden his little voice just said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because he had learned the hymn. Not because I ever sat down with him and taught it to him. Not because somebody pulled out a hymnal and showed him the words. It had become part of him. He was habituated by the hymn. That's what the Psalms are like for the people of the Gospels and in particular for Jesus. So for the, for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months even, we're going to be looking at how these words from the Psalms are kind of like songs that have helped to give shape and light and depth to who Jesus is was and always will be. So I hope you're excited to look at the Psalms and how they show up in the Gospels and, and to think about how in our own lives these words, these songs can help shape us even today. So with that, I'd encourage you to find a comfortable posture for a moment. We're going to be silent for a moment before the Lord as we prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Remind us, O Lord, the purpose of the Psalms in some way, shape, or form, that they are to turn our souls into sort of a burning bush, set aflame for your glory in this life and in the life to come. Give us the courage and the conviction to hear your words for us today, O Lord, that we might take steps into an unknown future, one in which you've disturbed and disrupted where we are so that we can get to where we need to be. And with that, O oh Lord, each of us will now lift up to you our own joys and our concerns, prayed either silently or aloud today. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have two scripture readings today. As I said, we're going to be looking at a psalm and how it shows up in the Gospels uh, each week. So today our psalm is Psalm 69, verses 6 through 9, and then John 2, 13 through 22. So hear now God's holy word. Do not let those who hope in you be put to shame because of me, O Lord, God of hosts. 
Do not let those who seek you be dishonored because of me, O God of Israel. It is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my kindred, an alien to my mother's children. It is zeal for your house that has consumed me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And now John 2, 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples then remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show for doing this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 733. It's the last hymn in the United Methodist Hymnal, 733, Marching to Zion. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in the online bulletin. So join me now over on the drums as I play, and we all sing together, Marching to Zion.
It is zeal for your house that has consumed me. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was only a few days after the ordeal with the wedding. They had slept off the hangovers, returned to life as normal, but they couldn't help feel as if nothing would ever really be normal again. They were guests at the wedding, one of those affairs where they knew someone who knew someone. It it didn't really matter then that they all found themselves sitting at the reject table. They knew how to have a good time and how to make the most of the least. At least they did until the wine ran out. Now, if you've ever had the, the misfortune of being at a wedding feast that ran out of booze, then you'll have some idea of what the tension was like in the room and how it was just percolating to the surface. So they sat there, minding their own business, wondering how long they'd actually have to stay before it would be appropriate for them to to duck out the side door to see what else Cana had to offer. But then, then they heard their teacher arguing with his mother. Now, the discomfort of a dry wedding is one thing, but having to listen to an adult son fight with his own mother? I mean, that's something else entirely. They tried not to eavesdrop, but it was loud enough for most of the guests to hear. And then all of a sudden, their guy, their teacher, disappeared into the basement. And within 15 minutes, the wedding host stood up, asked for everyone's attention, and then announced that a miracle of miracles had occurred. They now had enough wine to last them through the night, into the next day, and into the next night. And who were they to refuse an invitation like that? And so it was a few days later. On the other side of all the Pinot Noir and the partying, they found themselves in Jerusalem. It was Passover. All the Jews were making their way to the holy city, including this fumbling crew who were still regaling one another with stories about what had happened at the wedding. And they arrived at the temple, and they took in the scene before them. There were groups of people in every direction engaging in all of the economics of temple worship. Some were selling cattle, others sheep, some doves, while others were at tables exchanging the different currencies of the day to make the system as simple as possible. And it had gone on like this for some time. But then Jesus disappeared again. Though this time he didn't retreat into a dimly lit basement to turn water into wine. No, this time he marched straight over to the nearest table grabbed it by the corner, and he flipped it as high as he could in the air. Coins went flying in every direction as jaws hit the dusty ground, but Jesus wasn't done yet. Next, he grabbed a nearby leather whip. He started chasing after everyone within distance, all while shouting insults about how they had turned his father's house into a den of robbers. His ragtag group of would-be followers stood off to the side. They let Jesus do his Jesus thing, and they started to whisper among themselves, Is this really such a good idea? If he keeps this up, he's going to get himself killed. And then one of them, maybe Peter, said, Zeal for your house will consume me. Isn't that what the psalm says? And they all nodded in agreement. And then a group of Jews shouted at the madman with the whip in his hands. And they said, what sign can you show for doing all of this to all of us? And Jesus said, I'm going to tear this temple to the ground. And then three days later, 
I'm going to raise it up. But it made no sense to the crowds that day, and neither did it really register with the disciples. Only after he lived and died and lived again, only then did they realize he wasn't talking about the actual temple. He was talking about himself, the temple of the Lord. According to John's gospel, this moment by the temple, it not only kicks off Jesus' public ministry, it's also the event that puts a target squarely on his back until he's nailed to the cross. Because in this one moment of physical and, and audible proclamation, he put all of the religious elites right in their place. He started to really shake things up. Zeal for thy house has consumed me. The New Testament is filled to the brim with references to the Old Testament, both explicitly and implicitly from biblical characters literally quoting from one of the prophets to simple allusions made back and forth to to people saying more than they know with the words they use. The two Testaments, they are inextricably tied up with each other. Of all the Old Testament books, the prophet Isaiah and the Psalms are the two that are quoted the most in the New Testament. In fact, in my line of work, people like me, we refer to Isaiah as the fifth gospel because it shows up so much in the other four. But there's something special about the way the Psalms work in the gospel stories. Because notably, Jesus, as as a good rabbinic Jew, he would have had the entire Psalter memorized in his head. And not only that, the words from the Psalms are used by Jesus to refer to himself, and they are used by others to make sense of what they've experienced in this strange man. To put it simply, the Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus Christ. In the truest sense of the word, Jesus prayed the Psalter, and now it has become his prayer for us for all time. So it's interesting that when Jesus shows up at the temple that day, he starts flipping tables and chasing people with the whip. His followers immediately process this scene before them through a psalm. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Contrary to how Jesus is often portrayed, you know, being weak or or quiet or diminutive or or having a reserved demeanor, whether it's in sermons or Sunday school classes or even in movies, homeboy was quite zealous. I mean, think about it. He was on fire for things not yet seen. In our text today, he has a temple tantrum. He flips over the tables. He calls out the powers and the principalities as as a commentary against what the faith of God's people had become. Regularly, throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus spends time among the movers and the shakers and calls them out for taking advantage of the last, the least, the lost, the little, and the dead. Time and time again, Jesus walks straight into complicated and even dangerous situations to reveal the confounding nature of of God's grace and mercy, from meeting Mary Magdalene shortly before she was about to be stoned to death to, to stopping to talk to a Samaritan woman by the well. Jesus was nothing if not zealous. So much so that on one notable occasion, his family thought he had gone completely bonkers and they tried to stop him from continuing on the path that would lead to the cross. Or, as the psalmist from the very same psalm puts it today, I have become a stranger to my kindred, an alien to my mother's children. It is zeal for your house that has consumed me. But they didn't stop him. You see, nothing could stop Jesus from doing what he did. He was consumed with zeal 
for his father's house. Jesus sees possibilities where we too often see failures. Jesus believes in those who have quit believing in themselves. Jesus, over and over again, makes a way where there is no way. Because that's exactly who Jesus is. And lest we ever forget, God is at least as nice as Jesus, which also means that God is at least as zealous as Jesus, because Jesus, as Paul reminds us, is the fullness of God revealed. God is not merely sitting sitting idly by watching the world spin down the toilet. God is showing up, showing up in places, flipping tables of complacency, and is probing us again and again to wonder about the way things are so that we might move to where things can be. Even just taking a step back from this, this scene in the temple with the tables overturned and the moneylenders you know, cowering in the corner, it's not hard to imagine the headline in the next issue of the Jerusalem Times, Jesus, Disturber of the Peace. There have always been disturbers of the peace those zealots who shake up the status quo. And yet, the peace disturbed by Jesus that day, the peace he still disturbs today, it was no real peace. No, that day in the temple, the the weak and the marginalized were getting abused, forced into economic hardships, all while God's blessings were being construed as something to be purchased or earned. And that's exactly when God in Christ shows up to remind us and everyone that day that there is no real transformation without disruption. Faithful following is only ever possible because of disruption and dislocation. Otherwise, we are doomed to remain exactly as we are, or as others have put it countless times, we never move unless someone steps on our toes. Now, for some of us, that doesn't sound too bad. Some of us would do very well if things remained exactly as they are. But God is in the business of making something from nothing, of taking us from here to there. God is a God of deliverance. We can reject transformation. We can reject dislocation. We can reject disruption. We might cling with all of our strength to the status quo, to the way things have been. We might not be comfortable with Jesus's zealous side, but none of us, not a one of us, could ever rejoice in the knowledge of salvation were it not for Jesus's disruption of the way things were that inevitably led to his crucifixion and his resurrection. Change Real change, good change, it's never painless. It's why we put crosses in our sanctuaries, an ever-present reminder of what happens should any of us start asking all the right questions. Because we, as a people, we've had a method for dealing with disturbers of the peace. And yet, it only takes a minor gander through the great stories of history to be reminded that the most important shifts from one thing to another, from the way things were to the way they can be, they've always come through disruption. We can point again and again to the, to the real change makers of, of world history, to those who refuse to accept things as they were. But Jesus, whether we like it or not, he is the most striking example of disruption, dislocation, and painful challenge to the status quo. Ever since he showed up, we've never really been able to return to normal because God in Christ is marching on 
dragging us all along for the ride. Zeal for your house will consume me, the psalmist writes, and the disciples apply to Jesus, and they were right. The zeal Jesus had for a new day, for a new way, it did consume him, so much so that we killed him for it. But the grave couldn't even stop our disturber of the peace. Thanks be to God. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you might continue to direct our attention to the life of Jesus so that we can see what you would have us be. Make us like him, teachers of your good word. Make us like him, proclaimers of your kingdom. Make us like him, lovers of the last, the least, the lost, the little, and the dead. Make us like him, ready to suffer. We know we cannot be like Jesus except as Jesus was unlike us being your son. Make us cherish that unlikeness, Lord, that we may grow into the likeness made possible only by your son's resurrection from the dead. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word. And now we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, but also the giving of our offerings and our tithes. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You can give online. The link for doing so can be found in the video description. You can give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can drive by and bring your offering to the church and slip it through the drop slot that we have by the main office doors. Uh, but give. Give with glad and generous hearts that Cokesbury might continue to be a church that helps to, to push all the right buttons, to step on all the right toes that may move from where we are to where we can be. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So I encourage you now to join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, the God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to find your own playlist in which you learn more about who you are and whose you are, that God might step on your toes a little bit so that you might move from where you are to where you can be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place, to hear more of Jesus' playlist so that we can get in the groove with the Lord. Go in peace. Amen, amen, amen. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made, that us rejoice. 
Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made.